Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Jerry Hamilton. Uh, Jerry and I are going to talk a little recruiting today, a little team, uh, whatever comes up. Uh, Jerry and I both uh, with Inside Texas. Make sure you check out InsideTexas.com. Jerry, you were out and about a little bit on the road today. Uh, you were also uh, in uh, uh, checking in on some players down in Florida who might uh, be uh, visiting uh, uh, the Alabama weekend. Uh, tell us what the latest is right now. Yeah, I'll start with uh, that. Damon Wilson, um, I was told today that he should make his decision tonight or possibly tomorrow at the latest, whether he's going to take a September 10th official visit. Um, and I know Texas fans are like, why wouldn't he come? Anybody that's been on Inside Texas knows we've been talking about this. Venice has a high, has an off week that weekend, the September 9th weekend. But one of the things Damon said when I visited him was a few weeks ago when I went by Venice Highs, he wasn't so sure if he wanted to do back-to-back official visit weekends during the season. Well, he's at Ohio State this weekend for the Notre Dame game. So I think that's part of the the issue there is does he want to take official visits two weekends in a row, even though it is Venice's off week? I think we'll know within 24 hours um, what he's going to do. Uh, maybe it takes a little longer, but I, from what I was told, it could uh, he could make that decision tonight or possibly tomorrow. If he's going to make an official visit, the uh, September 10th weekend, obviously he's been in contact with the Shard Choice, uh, Texas defensive staff weekly. Uh, so that recruitment continues. And uh, like we reported on Inside Texas late last week, uh, per a source close to that recruitment said, Damon has done a lot of research on those schools that he put in his top five. If he put put Texas in his final five, I should say, he intends to make an official visit. The question is when. And so I think that's where we're at with Damon Wilson. Uh, as far as D-lineman Jordan Hall out of Westside, Texas continues to have discussions with him. That one's a little tougher on a September 10th possibility because that's an 11 a.m. kick. Central time, right? And Jordan Hall is a game Friday night. The whole family, if, if he's going to make that official to Texas, they want the whole family to come. They don't want there to be any travel issues. Uh, and with that 11 a.m. kick, while it gives the Texas staff all day with prospects after the game, if you can't fly out till Saturday morning, getting into the game can be a bit of an issue there. Um, so that's where we're at with the Florida guys. And Bobby, today was one of my favorite school stops. I'll be I, just being honest. This is what I love about the business. I was at Fort Bend Christian. Uh, which Jordan Black is in his third year as the head coach. For those that don't know Jordan Black, he came out of Dallas Christian in 1998, uh, same same year Chu Freeman, for those that remember the two-sport star Chu Freeman, who I think uh, signed with the Rockies, uh, did not go to Texas A&M to play football. He's now the head baseball coach at Dallas Christian, by the way. But Jordan Black, 10 years in the NFL, signed with Notre Dame over Texas, uh, was probably a Texas lean um, headed into his senior season, and that coaching change happened. And the funny thing was today, and this is why you just go visit schools and you talk to these guys, and we'll get into his prospects in a second because I think there's two that Texas will offer, um, is Jordan Black telling the story about after Mac Brown was hired, he agrees to the in-home, and Mac comes in, and he said it was so razor thin. He just couldn't break Notre Dame's heart at that time, uh, but he said Mac Brown was unbelievable. Um, in the home, just as you'd expect. And his his exact words were, yeah, he could talk. <laughs> and he said, we were all on the edge of our seats. We all were like, okay, should we do this? Do we want to play for Texas or not? But that was kind of a hint at things to come for Mac Brown uh, as a recruiter and head coach at Texas. And, and Bobby, we were talking about on the phone when I left Fort Bend Christian. Could you imagine Jordan Black, Leonard Davis, and Mike Williams on that offensive line and Dockery? I mean, wow, there you go. Yeah, that, that would have been uh, Mac's best offensive line by far, uh, for yeah. sure, had they uh, connected on that. Uh, it was interesting, you know, Black, if I remember correctly, was in that waiting period between Makovic and Brown yes. Uh, yes. and kind of had already went ahead and made most of his decision prior to Mac uh, doing that. Uh, but Mac was a tremendous recruiter. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian right now at, uh, ranked five in the country in recruiting, 20, uh, 22 commitments. Uh, there will be some players on campus this weekend for games, Jerry, uh, for, for the Texas game. But the real big visit weekend coming up, up for the Horns isn't until uh, the Alabama game in uh, 11 days, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's Deuce Robinson, five on three consensus, five-star tight end out of Pinnacle High in Phoenix. He's scheduled to make his official visit. Uh, he's a USC lean headed into the fall. I think we're all comfortable, Chad Simmons, myself, anybody's comfortable saying that. Alabama. 
Georgia, Oregon, Texas getting official visits, though. We'll see where that goes. A lot of recruiting left there, but Deuce will be on campus, scheduled to be on campus for an official that weekend. Cecilia Kana, obviously sister transferred from Nebraska to Texas in volleyball. He'll make his official visit September 10th weekend. Jalen Hale, top receiver prospect, their target left on the board, is scheduled to be at Texas on his official visit the 10th. Uh, that's the week after he visits Alabama, which is this weekend. So big couple of weekends coming up in Jalen Hale's recruitment uh, leading up to that September 21st decision. Then we mentioned the possibility of a Damon Wilson. Look, there's a lot of kids. A Corey and Gibson, one of the top 24s in the country, safety out of Lancaster, told Justin Wells of Inside Texas that he plans to be at the Alabama game. I think you're going to see a lot of kids confirm Confirming on social media, announcing on social media here, starting probably Sunday, Monday, that they're going to be in attendance at the Texas-Alabama game. It, it, the toughest thing for Texas, as we talked about, uh, you know, last week, the staff has to is being very careful with how many kids they allow to come to the game. That it's not just kids that want to come be at the game, right? And do the social media song and dance that they're at the Texas-Bama game. It's the kids that are worth Texas time. Uh, recruiting. And so, look, there's a uh, pretty talented player committed to another school in the Houston area that's, you know, been asking to come and Texas said, nope, so far. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. So we want to do a chat tonight. Uh, yep. Jerry and I do. Uh, we want to open it up to questions. I'm going to start for for one that came in from the Inside Texas uh, message board uh, and community. Uh, Jerry, um, who are some of the senior evaluations you want to look for? Uh, that are coming up right now. We've talked about this before and you've talked about it. Um, Texas typically is going to keep recruiting and, and looking for new players in the 2023 class, even though the vast majority of the class is already uh, in the barn, so to speak. You know, they've, they've already uh, made their commitments, but Texas has found Savion Red last year, yeah. uh, for, for example. Ethan Burke, they offered late. Who are some of those guys that you're looking at right now that you think might be in that category for Texas? Uh, in the class of 2023? Yeah, I think the interesting thing in the state of Texas, it's not as deep a, ta a year as far as talent compared to 22, which I thought was a special class at a number of positions. So you start there, and I'm not sure there's as many senior year evaluation possibilities in state. And that's fine for this staff, right? Uh, but, you know, you look at a kid I saw at Clear Springs last week, Serene Tunkara, defensive lineman, about 6'3", 250. He was a kid that was hurt last year. He played three games at Clear Falls. He's transferred to Clear Springs, had a really productive scrimmage, actually flashed against Katie. That video's up on Huddle. Um, very aggressive, quick-footed kid. He's got a length. He's got an 80-inch wingspan. That's a kid that Texas will senior year evaluate. I guarantee you they're going to senior year evaluate that kid. He, That's just that type of player. And, you know, you go down the list, there's a lot – I mean, there's a lot of kids that I think in the state Texas will take a look at. How many of those guys I've seen that I'm like, okay, yeah, he's definitely one of those that's under the radar that I think Texas will take a look at. There's, I've seen Serene. You know, I haven't seen a number of those guys yet. I mean, you know, I think a lot is going to depend on, you know, Jalen Hale's decision. Look, we all think he's a lean to Texas, but look, it's got, we're going up against Alabama, right? I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's Nick Saban getting the kid on and his family on campus twice in, inside a month and a half. So should Jalen Hale go a different direction, what would Texas do at receiver? They've been in contact with Kyle Parker, who was a Brennan Marion offer all the way back at Pittsburgh. And then when he got to Texas, Parker's committed to LSU. I'll tell you what, not saying Texas would, would, would go after him, but Cordell Russell committed to TCU at North Mesquite, had a monster first game of the season. Looked tremendous. That tape is on huddle. So there's some guys like that um, that Texas showed an interest in initially when like Brennan Marion was hired. So if Jalen Hale were to go elsewhere, I, I think you'd see a couple in-state receivers pop up other than Kyle Parker. But I think the majority D-line – your edge guys, there unless somebody flips, you know, Braylon Shelby, Avasic, and we're not saying they are, unless something like that happens, I think you're going to see Texas looking more east. I, Jerry, this is an interesting question, then. Um, you know, Texas has to be very happy right now with the receivers they have in the boat. Yes. Um, all three of them had really nice starts yes. to the year, right? Yeah. Um, probably the one that surprised us the most by just how dominant he was. Not that the other – not that Jonte Cook and Ryan Niblett, we saw their highlights as well. Uh, Jalen Hale had a great first half uh, <laughs> as well. But my my question for you is Jonah Wilson, nine oh, for 90. 
and just looked tremendous. Uh, did not expect that from him. Yeah, I'm going to try to bring some Rod Babers energy right now. Okay, I can't. I don't have the Rod Babers voice, but I'm going to try to bring some energy. Bobby, I I know you the same way. I got excited when those clips started popping out Friday night on Twitter. When he had the body control to contort his body and go up high point, not necessarily in balance in a contested situation, and made the catch. Then he goes up high points the ball, triple coverage. It wasn't triple coverage like he's fighting for a rebound in traffic. Don't get me wrong. He was behind the guys. But still, there were arms in his peripheral, right? He had to make a concentrated play on the ball, leaving his feet. Then the last one, he catches a little dig route, I think it was, and he ends up scoring from 65 yards around there. And he showed a little more wiggle than I'd seen before out of him. And, you know, so that guy, now Jonah got me excited. Nine receptions, 190 yards, two touchdowns against double, couple of triple teams. That's putting it on the board. I mean, and that's coming out and showing everybody that, okay, we don't care where you have him ranked. We have him 273 in the country. His composite's right around there, 275 or something like that. He looked like a better prospect than that Friday night. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But then Ryan Niblett, right, his first play, of the season. He, he catches a little flare with his hands, by the way, catches the flare. And there he looked like Rod Babers taking off down the sidelines, right? Bobby, that looked 4-3-5 on, on tape. That was some serious acceleration, was it not? Yeah, I think people need to understand. I mean, what he did on that, that what Niblett did on that, that makes him different. Uh, it's not that he's necessarily the fastest guy, but it matters how fast you get to top speed in football. Yes. It's a, it, it's a, it is a, I mean, Brian, I'll give you an example. Brian Irwin, the, the coach that uh, we have on on lunch with the coach and whatnot, always talks about the defense's need to compress space. Right. Well, the opposite of that is the offense's desire to <laughs> to widen space, right? And the yeah. quicker you can do that, uh, the, all the more it matters. And, and so I just felt like overall, of all the positions where I came away with, wow, because we were wondering, you know, how good is this receiver class to join um, to join Arch Manning because they don't, they're not necessarily all five star guys or anything. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, they have what I thought was a great first week, all of them, you know, yeah. and you're kind of looking, hey, maybe they, maybe they have an idea of what they're trying to look for. Yeah, Jonte Cook had a couple of big receptions in that win over at Nike World Headquarters over St. Augustine. That's against fast athletes from New Orleans now. He got behind them on a deep route. I think it was a 68 yard touchdown, caught one along the sidelines diving. Um, uh, for a ball against contested coverage. Uh, so, yeah, all three of those guys showed out. I'll tell you another guy that I thought had a really impressive first game was Sadir Mitchell. I, I don't know how many Texas fans have watched the huddle. Not the fumble return, but, I mean, he knocked three guys out of the game. Two on one play. The last play on the huddle was the right guard collapsed after the contact, and then the quarterback did not get up on the same play. And, look. That guy's 6'6", 330, and he is physical. And he still plays high. He's not even low pad guy yet, but he's so quick with his feet. And his quick feet and that initial just pop, it collapsed that poor right guard. And then the quarterback didn't get up either after the first play on that highlight. I think the running back was out for the game. Just kind of that initial contact where you said, okay, this guy's got a lot of power. I mean, high school kids are – they're not college guys, but there's too many guys getting hurt here in one little four-clip highlight for this guy not to have a lot of power. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, a lot of those things just show up so immediately. Um, uh, Arch Manning uh, had his jamboree game, uh, looked really good in my opinion there. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, Cedric Baxter, Jerry, you sent uh, me that clip of him. Um, it, you know, 220-something yards sailing down the sideline, literally yes. looked like – Look, look like he wasn't even pushing. To, you know to, what? To yeah, I, I interviewed Cedric Sunday. We had that uh, interview up Sunday night on Inside Texas. But one of the things he said that was so interesting, and he's such a he's such a cerebral football player to me, is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
we're talking about, you know, I said, what, what's your updated height and weight? He said, well, I'm a little under 6'2", 213 pounds, you know, the day the morning of my first game. And uh, we we're talking about his long run. He said, you know, a lot of people don't think they question how fast I am. He said, but they got to understand. He said, I'm running with patience. So he said, so sometimes it doesn't make me look like I'm fast. But he said, when I hit the sideline, I'm fast. And he's a confident kid. And I thought, you know what? That's pretty smart of thing that for him to say. So for the people that watch those highlights of him, watch how patient he was at the beginning of that run and then how he turned that thing on. Uh, but, you know, it, it, what was interesting about Cedric is he's a very honest kid about his, his, his game and where he's at. He said, and because my question was, last year was your first year to be a full-time running back. Um, and I said, where, what are the big changes from junior to senior year and where can you still get better? And I said, the game's got to be slowing down a little bit. He said, it's slowing down. He said, I probably missed a couple of cuts in that game. If I'd made, I may have had 300 yards. So that he's willing to say it. He's watching the film. He's studying. He's cognizant of how I can still get better. But he said, yeah, everything is happening. He's seeing things a little sooner this year in his second full season at running back. But he's like, I still miss two cuts. He said, I got to get those right. Uh, but he could not be more excited to play for Tashard Choice after talking to him. It only reiterated that point. Cedric Baxter is at Texas because of Tashard Choice. Yes, the offense helped. Yes, Arch Manning helped. Yes, Bijan and Roshan being both gone helped after this year. Uh, we'll assume Bijan's gone, right? If he's not, he needs to talk this. It's a bad decision. But um, Cedric Baxter just loves Tashard Choice. Great relationship. That is where relationships matter in recruiting. I, I had a question. Let's uh, talk with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on three. Uh, we're talking about uh, Texas football recruiting. We're also going to talk about uh, a little bit of the team taking questions uh, if you want to ask them uh, as well. Uh, Jerry, uh, question also came in. This is uh, from the Inside Texas message board as well. DBs that Texas is recruiting right now, other than JV and Toviano, I know that they are or have talked with Javen Thomas, the corner opposite uh, Malik Muhammad out at over at Dallas South Oak Cliff. But other than uh, Toviano and and uh, Thomas, any others that you know of at, at this point? Yeah, by the way, I'm going to start with Toviano. I actually talked to him five minutes before he started this just to see if there's anything new. And, Bobby, what do you think the response is? No chance. <laughs> no chance we're getting that information. He did confirm he's going to be at LSU September 10th, so he will not be at Alabama. And I think that's another data point for the Tigers in this recruitment, right? I mean, that's another visit in less than a month and a half to LSU. What Javen told me, he said, after that visit, he said, uh, I'll probably have a couple of things to release on future visits. Uh, I thought the interesting thing was if, you know, take him at the word, you know, Billy Lucci, over at Texags is not real confident in AM's chances right now. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, somebody brought that to inside Texas. Uh, I expect him to visit Texas. I'll be surprised if he doesn't, as far as Toviano goes in Oregon, maybe still AM. Uh, but we shall see. But he's not gonna he's gonna release that news when he wants to release that news. Um, if anybody wants to try to get that news from him, they're playing Cedar Hill Friday night, by the way. So <laughs> I will That's not be I, yeah, I will not be there, but if anybody from the stands wants to ask him, maybe he'll tell you, you know. But <laughs> Easy. <where he's> <laughs> on the 17th. But other DBs, I think you hit on it. And Javon Thomas, he did not play against Duncanville. I think he had a minor injury, um, which I, I was hoping to see him. And he was going to play more running back, but I was still hoping to see him in that game. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I don't think there's been a lot with Bravion Rodgers. I think Georgia's the team, the little insight there for the Texas fans. Georgia is about to try to make a push against LSU on Bravion Rogers, from what I was told late last week because Georgia was starting to try to recruit him a little bit and then he up and committed to Texas A&M kind of unexpectedly so not I haven't heard much with Texas and Bravion uh, it looks like Georgia may be the one to come in and try to push LSU a little bit on that deal uh, so we'll see but again the interesting thing and Javon Thomas visited LSU he's been mentioned with LSU that's three really talented corners Right. It's a numbers game at some point with AM, Texas, and LSU. It just is that numbers game. It's how recruiting goes. All three of those kids won't end up at LSU. Chances are two of those kids won't end up at LSU. LSU's already got like five or six defensive backs committed. So what happens if a Toviano jumps in the boat at an LSU? And I'm not saying he is, but the scenario is what if he does? What does that do for a Bravion Rogers and a Javon Thomas? That's where the recruiting games get fun. You know, I mean, and, and thankfully, Texas is in a state that produces as many top-notch DBs as, as the state yeah. of Texas does. I mean, and I think, and I think, 
Yeah. I think if a senior pops up in this class, I think you could see a corner or a DB pop up in the state. And, and you know, linemen, maybe not so much. Edge guys, probably not. I think we know about those guys. Um, but d- defensive back, like you said, they produce so many guys. I could see a corner popping up. There's a couple last year that popped up late that ended up being really good players one time with TCU. So I think that's a position. I think you're spot on that somebody could pop up. Yeah. Um, they, if, if they run well, too. I mean, yeah. that's part of it. The young man, the McGuinn from Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah um, there he is. He's a guy that's committed to UTSA right now. You know, he, he could, with a good senior year, you just don't know what he's going to end up uh, being or, or what position he could play. Hey, Jerry, I, I got to say this to you real quick. Okay. This, yeah. one, this one made me laugh. Uh, we're talking a little bit about the team here. Uh, Jatavian Sanders will be our best TE since Jermichael Finley. Uh, just a programming note. I'm supposed to speak to Jermichael Finley for an interview for On Texas Football and Inside Texas tomorrow morning uh, and hope to have that uh, interview up later. Uh, Jerry, talking about the Sanders. Hey, hey let's uh, let's flip this. We're going to tell we're going to tell Jermichael that Tyler Justice from Inside Texas and the Chiench. Sanders is going to be better than Jermichael. We're going to vote <laughs> Jermichael tomorrow. Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth. It felt like, um, you know, one of those situations. But uh, talking about the team a little bit yep. and expectations at tight end. Um, it looks like, and I know this is an odd topic, but I, I was talking to Eric Nalin, our publisher at Inside Texas, uh, over the weekend. And we were trying to, he was wanting to talk about the uh, the depth chart at Texas, uh, and specifically at tight end. And Sanders uh, and Billingsley are kind of the known commodities. Gunnar Helm, uh, we know, is in there. And then Juan Davis has seen a lot of action as well. Braden Liebrock, we have not seen much of or heard much of this this fall. So we'll, we'll wait and see what we see of him, if anything at all, this, this weekend. But it's very clear just um, – how well they've kind of restocked that position fairly quickly after not having a very, I mean, not that Cade Brewer wasn't athletic uh, early in his career, but as time went on, injuries mounted, he became not super athletic as a tight end and good tight end, but not, not super athletic. Now they seem to be going to these other guys that can stretch it a little bit. Um, you know, what do you think that the, t- the tight end will mean uh, in this offense for, for uh, Quinn Ewers? I think it's going to be huge for Quinn. Um, you know, we talked about it. I think that the Nayor loss makes the tight ends even that much of a bigger deal for Quinn um, because, look, I mean, that was a guy that could get open quick and and, and maybe take the top off the defense. Um, and I thought that was really going to open up uh, between him and Worthy, really open up opportunities for Jadavion Sanders down the field. Uh, but I just think it makes it that much more important, you know, and uh, when Steve Sarkeesian came out and said Jatavion Sanders has the best hands in the program, that's one you kind of put in the memory bank, right? That's that's saying something for Steve Sarkeesian to come out and say that. Uh, so that kind of tells you where the expectations are for him in the room, in Jeff Banks' room, and Steve Sarkeesian's head coaching room. Um, office that, that they think this guy's going to be a big time player, and and that's what goes back to recruiting, right? We don't talk about this enough. That was a big hold for Texas when Sark was hired, right? I mean, because if that Texas staff, if that new staff had come in and said, you know, we want you to be an edge rusher, who knows what happens in that recruitment, right? But they came in, gave him a chance to play tight end, and you're about to see a, a guy that's going to be a highly productive pass catcher for the Longhorns. I think Juan Davis is great versatility. I think those two guys can play together. I think Jill Billingsley has a lot of experience, right? It's just about consistency there. Um, so I, I think the key is I don't have questions about how well they're going to catch the ball and what they can do in the passing game. And, Bobby, you probably you probably have an answer to this better than I. What are they going to do in the run game? Because I think that's going to be important. Who's going to help Kelvin Banks in the run game early in his career at the tight end And pass protection. And pass and protection. Pass. I think that's going to be big because, look, if Bijan – if Bijan is the best running back in the country with the football in his hands, um, as a pass protector, he still can get better, right? So I don't think he's going to be counted on to be that guy. I think the tight end is going to have to stay in and help Kelvin Banks at times more, and you put Bijan out in, into the route. That That's what I'm thinking happens a lot, just because I'm not sure Bijan, that's his strength, is taking on Will Anderson coming around the corner. I, uh, I got to ask you this East Texas question. Uh, where, when are you coming to the Texarkana area? Um, 
You and I were talking about some East Texas kids last night uh, yeah. for the 2024 class, right? Aaron Hampton, Derek McFall. Uh, you talked to a, 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 a hot oncoming prospect that, that's a 2024 out of Brownsboro, a wide receiver last night. Um, you know, when are you going to be back up in East Texas? We know Justin Wells is there already, uh, but yeah. you like to make your way around everywhere. Yeah. When are you going back that way? I think I'm going to head up there in October uh, for a week, uh, maybe a week ahead of, uh, right before Texas OU, maybe get out some uh, in East Texas that week. Look, and we need to bring him up. I brought him up on Inside Texas. I wrote about him. G. Kyle Baker um, at Brownsboro. Uh, Bobby, we watched the tape yesterday, and we are like, uh-oh, this guy's a little different. I, I really think he's going to be a top 100 kid in the country. He's at a school that hasn't produced a lot of guys. He only went to one camp this summer. It was Oklahoma State. Um, Gundy offered him. What does Gundy know? A, a lot. You know, I mean, one of the more underrated coaches in college football, especially in the evaluation side. Um, Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Oklahoma State offered, then UTSA was the first offer, which anybody that knows Jeff Trailer, Kurt Trailer, and those guys are not surprised that they know where every kid in East Texas is, the young ones. Uh, Texas Tech offered him today. I think he'll have 20-plus offers by December. Uh, I think TCU will offer him soon. Um, then it'll get then once that party gets started, then you know the Arkansas, everybody else are going to come in. That's just the way recruiting goes. The Oklahoma, they're going to say, wait, Oklahoma State offered this guy. Now Bay, now TCU and Texas Tech have. W what are we doing here? So now maybe they're not. They don't have a wide receiver coach. Maybe that happens in December. Uh, but he's a kid. Now I will say this for the guys that live in Texarkana that go to football games. I know, I, I know Texas High and obviously Pleasant Grove with Bordley and those guys have a lot of really good players. But uh, just watching tape, and he's a kid I'd heard of. There's a freshman receiver at Liberty Ilo, um, Daquan. I think it's Rin, I, Devoe, maybe. I can't remember his last name right now. Bobby, I thought he had a chance to be a hellacious prospect. Uh, he looked like a guy in his first varsity game that could be a top 50 type of kid in the country if he keeps developing. He is a natural receiver with a kind of look like a young Ryan niblet, right? He caught the ball and that acceleration was there, caught the ball really well with his hands, did so in traffic. He is a really talented player. So for the people that live in the Texarkana area, you may want to go check out LE pretty quick to see this kid. He's already got Penn State and I think two or three other offers. He'll have 25 offers by December as a freshman in high school if he keeps doing what he did Friday night. I, I want to ask you this question because I think it's good. Uh, I think we talk a lot about recruiting, and we, you and I agree, the portal has changed recruiting forever, uh, yep. as long as it, it is right now, because it is uh, an availability of – it's it's different than the NFL. Recruiting is like the NFL draft. Yeah. The transfer portal is like free agency. Yeah, it's a great right? way to put it. Yeah, and so um, how much room does Texas have for transfers after this recruiting class? Um, there's an NCAA rule, I think, that's at seven, but I don't know if that necessarily is going to be in play this coming year again. Um, but, you know, Jerry, my take on this, and I want to get your feeling as well, is that, you know, they're going to have room if they think the guy improves the team. Yes. That, that's the bottom line that I – I take away because Tariq Milton's a perfect example, right? Yep. Not a high level considered recruit or transfer. Did he, does he help the team? He's in the rotation. Yeah. Yes. He helped, he helped the team, you know, and I, I just feel like uh, given that you're going to, you're going to see Texas. Uh, there's still a young team. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said this over and over. They're an extremely young team. They're going to keep pushing. Um, and if that means through recruiting, or through the portal, they're not going to ignore it. I mean, somebody mentioned the other day, I don't know if it was you or someone else, talking about exactly what Alabama got in the portal this offseason. You know, yeah. they got a, a star running back, a star receiver. Uh, they got a star cornerback. I mean, a starting left tackle. Yep. Uh, 
if Alabama, if it's good enough for Alabama, it's good enough for Texas, no matter what some people uh, talk about the, uh, the uh, portal. I mean, I, I just, I see that going nowhere uh, fast. And, and I assume you, you think the same, but then again, uh, how many do you think they can take that sort of stuff? Yeah. On how many they can take. I, I'm not, I'm not sure I have that answer, honestly, but I totally agree with you. You look, Look what Tucker Dorsey looks like he's doing at linebacker. That's a late kid from an FCS school that was a really good player, just undersized, right? Uh, Ryan Watts competing for a starting job. That's where I think Texas, like when we talk about five and seven Texas versus this season Texas, where they've improved, before you get in the positions, they've improved in the portal. And that's not a knock on the guys that came in last year. Even a guy like Ovi, he wasn't in until the summer, so he didn't have a spring. But they have got more top top tier high end talent out of the portal in this second year than they did the first. So they're going to be improved there. Obviously the loss in there, we can't talk about that, uh, you know, enough, but Tucker Dorsey, right? Ryan Watts. I mean, you go down the list and there's some, there's some guys that came out of the portal that are are going to impact winning for Texas more so than they did last year. And I really believe that. Uh, But I I look at, I look at linebacker again in the portal, you know, Tucker Dorsey's a one-year guy, right? DeMarvion Overshone is going to be gone. Um, Jalen Ford, you know, we, we suppose will be back. Let's see what kind of season he has. He puts up 110 tackles and he suddenly becomes a third round pick and you never know what guys are going to do. Right. Um, but linebacker in edge, I still, even though, you know, with a guy like Ethan Burke looking really good as a freshman and, and what we're hearing that tap has a lot of upside, you still are going to look for an impact player there if there's somebody there. So linebacker edge, uh, I don't think any of the positions have changed as far as what you need out of the portal and I think defense is going to be big uh in the portal after this season I think the offensive parts I mean it's not like you're going to go get an offensive lineman out of the portal you're not going to get a running back out of the portal right I mean uh, you're certainly not going to get a quarterback out of the portal uh you don't need a tight end out of the portal. So I mean we've already covered the offense um maybe an experienced kicker depending on how Bird Auburn and Will Stone look this year I mean we're spitballing but it's it's going to be more on defense I don't think there's any doubt all right, uh, go to this question real quick, because um, I, I wrote a little something about this this weekend. Watching Nebraska lose in the second half, do you believe Casey was a huge reason we would break down in the second? What's a realistic number of wins Texas needs to show progress uh, for the 2023 class? Thanks, Travis, for the donation. That's uh, Jerry, and, and we, we all here at Inside Texas and, and on Texas, we all work hard, uh, and we appreciate you when you guys do that. Um, Jerry, you, you watched that game just like I did Um Casey Thompson had a great first half, 14 of 20, was on time, on target, knew where to go with the football. Third quarter starts out like gangbusters, makes just a tremendous play, um, long pass uh, after a scramble. But then the last six drives, uh, three three and outs, a four play and punt, and two interceptions. Yeah, kind of reminded you of Oklahoma State game. It sounds, and that's my point. It, that yeah. that is that's too much uh, like what we heard or like what we saw a year ago. At the same time, uh, mm-hmm. do I think he? I mean, the question was, was he a huge reason? I think he was a significant reason. Huge is kind of a, a different category for me. I think the whole team broke down. I don't think he was given enough time to pass. I think that. After Whittington did that, went down, he didn't have another reliable receiver that could really get open. Uh, and then you start talking about um, really, uh, you know, the defense not getting the ball back. Yeah. So it, I, I think you, and then you, I, and I also want to say this I felt like in his comments today, I don't know if everybody saw them, but, but he uh, uh, went to the microphone and said, Hey, I didn't mean to disrespect my Texas teammate, teammates, but why, by what I said about us having more depth at Nebraska at the skill positions. Uh, the reality of it is he, he ate a little crow there on that because he did make, it was an offhand comment, but it was and it wasn't serious, but he did make it, but he, he ate crow the right way. You know, yeah. he, he, he went up and set up, stood up for him. So I, I think what he tried to do today was, was uh, honorable and in the right way. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on that? And then also, what do you think the, the realistic number of wins for Texas they have to get this year to show progress? Yeah. I thought the, uh, you know, maybe more so than a quarterback, the quarterback play was just uh, too too many short drives, too many three and outs. I mean, I, I think the defense look and um, 
the defense has to get better a lot of aspects. You got to be able to stop the counter against Lincoln Riley if you play him again, right? But uh, um, because he'll run it until you stop it. Um, but I, I think the offense, you know, when they started sputtering, especially after Whittington went down, right? I mean, I, I thought, look, I mean, Texas didn't have the depth needed um, in in the really play the tempo they wanted to play at, and then Bijan gets hurt, right? I mean, and I just think kind of things kind of just you know they just fell on top of each other. Um, and so I just don't think, I'm not sure I'd blame it all on Casey. Uh, he was injured too at off season surgery. It all matters. Um, but I just think Texas this year, when I look at last year versus this year, you got to hold the ball a little longer on offense. I mean, you can look up in the third quarter and the time of possessions close to the same, but if you watch the game, it didn't feel like that, right? Texas had the ball a lot early. And then as the game wore on more three and outs and your defense starts getting, tired gassed and then gashed i mean so that that's kind of the way too many games unfolded uh when the when things kind of came off the skids last year so i think that's going to be so important this year is is time of possession more consistently with the texas offense to help the defense out and i think that's part of maturing as a second year in the program and and what's interesting when we say that is uh, um Quinn Ewers is a down the field passer. <laughs> so it's not like he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be checking it down a lot now. He's going to want to throw the ball down the field. So he may not exactly fit that, um, what you ideally would like Texas to do this year uh, to protect that defense a little bit more uh, in, as the game goes on. As far as wins, I've, I've been saying on inside Texas anywhere, I think eight's the number. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't think Texas can win nine. Or, uh, we'll see. I mean, that's why they're, let's see what happens after what Texas looks like after week three. Um, but uh, eight wins is the number I, because I really think it's important from a recruiting perspective. Three win improvement from year one to year two. That's an eight and four regular season. That means you're ranked in the top 25 in the polls. Um, and that's a hard thing to then go if you're recruiting against Texas to go to these kids and these families and these circles and say, you know, I don't know if that's the place you need to be. We're not sure what's going to happen with old uh, Sark over there in Austin. When you win, if you can get eight this year and it's a three-game improvement, that knocks all that stuff out. If and Because you know with Sark it's going to be an exciting brand of football. And I think that the people that recruit against Texas, I think that's the thing that worries them if he gets this thing turned around on the field with wins. It's going to be hard to recruit against the style of play he has. It's going to be so inviting for kids. I want to say this. Uh, AM just signed the number one class a year ago. And what was their record? Eight and forfeit, right? Yep. So, yep. so uh, let's let's be clear. I don't think I don't think you have to knock the doors off and, yep. and win 11 games to have a yep. great recruiting class. You just have to show progress. People have to like your style of play and what you're doing. Um, yep. I want to get to this question real quick for you uh, because I, I want to segue it into talking about some of the young freshmen um, and what we've seen from them thus far. Uh, watching North Shore last week had me wondering. I haven't heard much about Chris Ross. He was a beast last year. Give us an update on Chris Ross, what you saw from him in that open practice, as well as other uh, young defensive linemen that you that you took in and have heard about behind the scenes, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, I think Chris Ross has flashed a lot of pass rush ability early on at Texas. I think he's got to get a lot stronger. He's a kid that's a da- more of a upside guy ups, uh, um, in Obviously, all guys have upside, but he has even more. I mean, he is such a long-arm kid. He's 265, 270 pounds. He's got to put on that 20 pounds of good weight. He's got to get a lot stronger. But he's flashed some pass rush ability, maybe the best natural pass rush ability of any of the interior guys in the program. But he's just got to get stronger, and he's he's got to really grind in that weight room um, and, and, and take that aspect of it and start to maximize his ability because he's got a lot of ability, but that's really where it's at for him. I think Aaron Bryant's flashed. Bobby, I know you you saw that at the Tuesday open practice that he, he plays pretty well against the run. Now, again, he was in for spring. Chris Ross wasn't. That's a big deal. Uh, we can't emphasize that enough. It's a big deal to come in in the spring, uh, you know, and, and get that spring in the offseason program, get that spring playing against Power 5 offensive linemen. But he's done – he's flashed. Playing the run very well. Seems like a guy that could get on the field. You know, Zach Swanson, I, I can't remember, was it Jatavion Sanders that mentioned him or was Chris Jones this week? Somebody mentioned Zach Swanson is impressing them. We hadn't, that's not a name we've heard a lot just because he has so far to go physically 
But even if there's signs of that with his teammates on the other side of the ball, that's a good sign. But he's probably, of all the D tackles that came into Texas, he had the farthest to go physically. He was probably 260 pounds. I mean, and so he's got to put on 25, 30 pounds uh, to really be a factor uh, long-term for Texas at that position. You know, Jamon Tapp, I think, flashed a lot of talent. Um, he, he, he's a pretty raw prospect when Ethan Burke comes in almost college-ready, being at the Westlake program, the way they conduct meetings, uh, the coaching – uh, by Coach Vosick, former Texas player, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the way they just play 16 games against great competition. Jamon Tapp's kind of the opposite. Small school ball in Louisiana, very raw kid, um, learning a position where Ethan Burke came, came in knowing how to play the position. Uh, Jamon Tapp's learning a position, but he's flashed at that pass rush ability as well. Uh, so I think it's a, a very uh, – Justice Finkley will be on the field Saturday night. Um, so I think it's a well-evaluated class on the defensive front, but I do think these kids need some time at, at the same time really to get stronger, uh, to hold up, uh, more so against the run than anything. Yeah, Finkley is one of those guys we've heard maybe hitting the wall a little bit, right? Um, and not not from – and that's not a derogatory thing. It, it happens. I mean, these guys are young. Uh, they, they have There's limits to what their bodies can do at a young age sometimes, uh, and they have to get used to that uh, technique that uh, uh, physical physicality of the college game. Hey, Jerry, I want to ask you another recruiting question here uh, from an IT message board. Uh, any favorite for QB spot in the 2024 class at this point? Yeah, I don't have one. I, you know, it's interesting. It, it, when Arch committed, that took out Julian Sayan, the kid out of Cal Carlsbad, California, who was really liking Texas because of Sarkeesian. I think that knocks Texas out with that one. I think that's been said publicly by the kid. I think it really comes in, gets into an evaluation this year uh, for Milwee and Sark. You know, I know they like Trey Owens at Cy Fair, plays alongside Landon Rink, uh, who is a uh, – son of uh, Shane Rink, who played defensive line at Texas, who's, I believe, the defensive line coach at Cy Fair. But Trey Owens is a kid they've had at camp a couple of times and seem to like him. But I really think it's going to be a pure evaluation year uh, to try to find that 2024 guy you think has a lot upside, you think you can develop that guy. Because it, the chances of you getting a highly ranked guy the year after Arch Manning are as close to zero as we could say in recruiting. Um, so it's going to be one of those guys you find you see that upside, you like what you, you can mold, and you know you have time to develop that kid. And I think that's really where it'll go in 2024, and I think it's wide open. I think there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the state of Texas. Trey Owens is a name that myself, Eric Nolene, have heard uh, that Texas likes headed into his junior year. And those evaluations, by the way, they start this week. Te coaches can be back on the road uh, September 1. Um, so a lot of those in-person evaluations are about to happen again. Now you're, the recruiting staff's already been at Texas and all these other colleges have already been going through the huddle from week one, right, in the scrimmages. So they're already on a lot of these guys. But in-person evaluations begin September 1. All right, uh, question for you. How many, how many uh, commitments do you think Texas takes this year, 24 to 26? Any decommits? A lot of people asking about Derek Williams, the guy that the Longhorns just absolutely love. But uh, you went by and saw him a couple weeks ago as well. How many commits this year? They're at 22 right now. What do you think they go to? Um, and then – Yeah, and by, by, by the way, Bobby, uh, you win the award on that when you said 22 to 24. So you you win the award on that. Um, look, I, I think Texas is going to sign 27, 28, maybe even 29 guys if it's the right guys. I, just look last year. Just think about what we talked about leading off this show. Savion Red and Ethan Burke were senior year evaluations. That added two guys to the class. Um that you weren't necessarily counting, right? You knew there was a spot or two, but then to get uh, that guy, then run the table on the offensive line. Um, so I, I really think 27, 28, even up to 29 is a number that it's possible if you get the guys you want. As far as decommits, everybody's going to worry about Derek Williams. I get it. He's at New Iberia Westgate. Alabama wants him. A&M wants him. LSU wants him. They still want him. Um, doesn't matter how many DBs you have committed. You're going to recruit Derek Williams. He's one of the top three safeties. And I was talking to Charles Power on the phone about this today, who leads our uh, our director of scouting with on three is, you know, there aren't many years where you could have three five-star safeties, but this is one of them. Caleb Downs committed to Bama's tremendous. Uh, Bowen at Denton Geyer, I think, is a Peyton Bowen is a tremendous player currently committed to Notre Dame. I don't think he signs there. I think it'll be AM or Oklahoma. And then Derek Williams, who has unbelievable upside. Like Peyton Bowen and Caleb Downs are farther down the road uh, than Derek Williams is. Derek Williams, seeing him in person, kind of reminded me of a South Florida kid. 
uh, physically, he's not even scratched the surface of where he's going to go. He's young for his class. And then his parents, dad's so six, five, six, five and a half. Mom's almost six feet tall. It's a kid that's going to keep growing and getting bigger, stronger and faster. And, and so there's some big time safeties. Texas absolutely has to hold on to Williams. Obviously, the fight for these guys is going to continue. That's the thing. If there's not a fight for Derek Williams and Malik Muhammad and some of these guys, then you're not recruiting the right players. If Nick Saban doesn't come in and try to make a run at those guys, if LSU just lets Derek Williams walk away, you're not recruiting the right players. I mean, and so Texas is recruiting the right guys. Just, you know what, buckle up. It's, there's going to be some battles in the December. Yeah, I, I think that's a total, totally fair point. Um, I want to, I want to go a, a little bit over to a, a team comment uh, because uh, Victor Santiago asks. I, I think or says I, I think Jaron Thompson has a comeback year. Um, I kind of agree with this take. I, I told you this, and I've been saying it and writing it on Inside Texas uh, for a couple of weeks now, uh, based on what I've seen, uh, not only in the media availability practice early, but also at that open practice uh, that Tuesday. He is the leader of the secondary. He's the guy talking, uh, Jerry. He's the one getting him lined up. I told this to Rob to uh, to Rod too uh, the other night. It, it is a reality that I think he is a key piece uh, to the secondary. Whether people know it or not, does he need to work on his tackling? Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a quote unquote great tackler. But Mike Huff wasn't a great tackler early in his career either. Um, now, Mike Huff had a lot of speed that Jaron Thompson doesn't have. But my point being uh, that that uh, I feel like not only does he have a comeback year, I think he's integral to what they may end up doing on defense at all, because I, I do think he is the leader of the secondary. Yeah, I think that's totally accurate. And look, the one thing about him is what I've always liked about Jaron is he's a very competitive guy and he's got that East Texas kind of toughness about him. And that doesn't mean it shows up as a striker from the safety position, just more of a, just a tough kid mentality. And uh, so I totally agree. I think he's going to have a, a comeback year. I agree with our, uh, our subscriber there. I expect him to play well because it's in his DNA. I mean, it, it just is. That's who the kid is. And because when you evaluated that kid in high school, Bobby, it's like you said, he was a four, six something kid, right? He didn't have all the, the, the ideal size or the ideal speed, but you know what he had ideal competitiveness. And so he's going to outplay a ranking is what he's going to do. And I totally agree. I expect him to come back and have a strong season and like you said, it's his communication. I thought what Rod said, by the way, we'll talk about this, but Rod Baber is going to be part of the post-game show here with Bobby Burton starting Saturday. I thought what Rod said was so on point and only could come from his mouth. The communication was poor last year in the secondary. And that was a sign to him of somebody who played secondary at that level and in the NFL he said the great secondaries, they communicate really well. And Jaron's got to be the leader of that, in my opinion. That's his personality. That's kind of his DNA. That's going to be huge for this team this year. Yeah. A um, couple, couple other questions. Uh, you know, some of these we don't really know. And I'm going to show this. Will Nayar play for Texas next year, providing his rehab goes well? I, I don't see him going anywhere but Texas. Like, I don't think right. he transfers. Right. But if he rehabs well enough – he may take off to the draft. I mean, if he if he runs starts running well enough, quick enough. I mean, you never know. I mean, the guy guy guy's old enough. Had fourteen, I think, fourteen touchdowns or twelve touchdowns a year yeah. ago. I mean, he, yes. it's he, not he, like he put stats on the board, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think I think that uh, I hope people understand when we say that we don't know some of this stuff. Like, like it's impossible for us to know this. And I think that that's okay. I think that. Um, uh, if Texas could keep him and he re rehabs, I'm I'm here to tell you that he would have been a factor. He yes. was not just a good player, a yeah. good pickup for Texas. He would have been would have been a major factor uh, in in the games this year. Uh, Jerry, quest, question: I'm sure this yeah. is about David Hicks, the uh, big defensive lineman out of uh, Katy Paytow, uh, one of the state's top ranked prospects. Uh, your thoughts on where he's at and his recruitment at this point too. Yeah, uh, he talked to uh, one of our national analysts, Sam Spiegelman, over the weekend, and 
He's got, I think, the uh, he's going to Oklahoma for an official visit. That's Bedlam weekend, maybe Oklahoma State game. And then he's going to make an official to Bama. So that's his last two official visits. He's expected to be on campus at Texas before he announced January 3rd. But, look, the fact that Texas didn't get one of those last official visits is not really uh, where you want to be. Um, and, and Texas will continue to recruit him. The communication's been strong the, the whole summer uh, since June 23rd at 11.16 a.m., about 20 minutes after that. The the communication's been there. He was on campus to begin June in Austin. Uh, and, and so the communication hasn't stopped. I think at some point, though, it's, it's, it's just a recruitment. We don't expect Texas to win. Uh, maybe we'll be wrong. But right now, I really think that continues to trend Oklahoma and A&M. And now with him setting up that Alabama visit, I'm guessing Oklahoma and A&M are getting a little squirmish. They would have probably preferred him actually visit Texas. <laughs> probably so hey question for you here uh this is one that you you've been uh, on this guy for a, a, a long time now cam williams uh the right tackle how long before cam williams takes over at right tackle i i'm gonna say this i'm not yeah. so sure it's really soon otherwise christian jones wouldn't necessarily been in the media uh meeting with the media this week a little bit right yeah yeah i so i think it's all up to jones because I know Cam Williams is going to keep getting better. He's a freshman. He's going to get his first game action Saturday against Louisiana Monroe. Um, so he's going to keep getting better and better and better. So it's up to it's really up to Christian Jones to hold him off and to play well. And the thing that Christian has going for him is he's much better at right tackle than left. I think that's proven out statistically, watching games, whatever. He's just more comfortable at right tackle. And, Bobby, you mentioned he's a little better in the run game than maybe given credit for, and I think that's he's better at right tackle there. So it's really up to – Christian Jones. I think in an ideal world, Texas would love to have Cam Williams as the third tackle, let him just get ready this year and, and have Christian Jones play at a very high level this year and hold off a probably a future draft pick. But that's up to Christian Jones. But I will say this, if Christian Jones doesn't play well, I have no doubts that Cam Williams will see the field and will uh, make a difference when that time comes. He's, he might struggle in pass pro early, but when he connects in the run game, he moves people a little different than guys Texas has had in recent years. Jerry, a good question here. How is Troy O'Meary doing? Uh, young man out of the Fort Bend area. Uh, had two really good uh, fall practices and then ACLs on both. Uh, this year he's come back. Um, I was actually surprised when Sark said he thought Jatavian Sanders had the best hands on the team because I actually think it's O'Meary, right? And, and so – um, we, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try to answer this as best as possible based on my information that I've been getting. Yep. He is continuing to work, but he's not full go all the time. And it, so it's going to be a, a touch and go situation for him, I think heading into the season and it may be all season long touch and go. I just, you just don't know because these were injuries that were not easy to overcome and he's already had two. Um, and so I, I think that that makes it, more tough. I, I do believe, though, that he has a, a lot, a lot of talent. Um, yeah. Just like, I mean, I don't know that he's exactly like Isaiah Nayor because he's a little bit longer than Nayor. Um, <laughs> uh, Tyler Rose, Son of a gun I work with that is an OT for ULM. Hope he get, hope he's <laughs> he gets used up Saturday night. Huh? Wow. So does Bo Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So does so, so does every about a hundred thousand fans in DKR because I'm guessing ULM's not bringing more than two thousand. All right, hey Jerry, this is a question for you that's interesting. Do you, when do y'all think the NCAA will lift the limits on on-field coaches? I, you know, I don't have that answer. You know, they lifted they lifted it in basketball last year. So when Chris Bearder was hired, I think he knew what was coming in basketball. Because Chris Ogden and Bob Donawal Jr. were were um, special assistant to the head coach and director of basketball. Well, they ended up being able to coach on the court last year. Um, I, I think the day's coming. Um, I think what's interesting is when it's coming. I don't know, Bobby. You may have a better idea than I do. I think what's interesting about that is with where recruiting's headed. Are directors of recruiting going to be able to go out and scout games on Friday nights soon? I, they I think be. they should be. Yes. Keep the coaches at home the night before games and let your Brandon Harris's of the world or whoever hit three high schools on a Friday and go watch a game. I think that's a change that needs to happen. And I bet it does happen because there's just too many things leading down that path right now. But, Bobby, you may have a better idea of when that could happen. 
Yeah, I, no, I don't have a better idea of when. I know that the SEC, uh, which is the, the conference Texas will be joining in either 24 or 25, uh, is all in right now on the idea of just opening it and letting it be a free market, basically. Um, and, and I mean that in they, they want, if you want to have however many coaches you want to have, have them. You know, what, what, why, why there's not a reason not to, I mean, um, other than just that's where you want to run your program. And so if you want to run your program with a lot or fewer people or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I just don't think people realize uh, that, you know, can be very effective, a, a very big issue on a football team. And if you can add guys like Nick Saban has proven to do over time, and he continues to be at the forefront of that. Steve Sarkeesian's taking that blueprint and trying to apply it to Texas, obviously. Uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we don't know where it's going to be or when it's going to happen, but we're pretty, pretty darn sure it's going to happen at some point because there's no reason for it not to other than just NCAA rules that are kind of purposeless almost, yeah. Um, yeah. right? And so um, – And by, by the way, I want to I add, think about that from a Texas perspective. Think about if they could send Chris Gilbert on the road on Friday to hit schools in the Metroplex. I mean, think that's impactful because he he does – those guys get the foot in the door in so many of these recruitments, right? And then they kind of hand it off in a way. They keep communicating, but they hand it off uh, to whoever's recruiting that school or the player positionally. But that's, I think, is the next big thing to come in recruiting is, is when all these guys can hit the road and these coaches can stay in Austin on a Friday night and they don't have to try to schedule this thing out where, okay, well, if I leave at 8 a.m. and fly up to Dallas, I can hit four high schools and be uh, go to the first quarter of a game, get on a plane, come back, and I'm there, and then we have an 11 a.m. game. Some of that just doesn't make sense to me at this point where the staffs are too big. Um, so I, I look for that to be the next kind of big thing in recruiting. Um, talking with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, visit us, please, daily at InsideTexas.com. Uh, the community there is uh, the best uh, in the business. Uh, four months for $1 at Inside Texas. Get all uh, InsideTexas.com content for just $1 if you're a new subscriber uh, for the entire football season. Really give us a try uh, if you get a chance. Uh, and then I want to ask a couple more questions, then we're going to have to close this, down this chat But uh, for the night. Jerry, who are the top 24 RBs Texas is going all in on right now? Do we even know who those are yet? There's probably some candidates. And who? what do you think about Kelton Ryan, the 2025 stud? Yeah, I think uh, in the 2024 class, um, you know, Jarrett Gibson, I think, out of IMG, uh, is out of, the, out of the Gainesville area originally. Shard Choice has been recruiting for a year and a half now. Does this sound familiar? I mean, obviously, there's, running back, there's a couple of running backs in Georgia that Choice is really – on top of right now and connecting with, I think that it's leaning more to those out of state guys than in state guys. But again, we're one game into the high school season this year. Um, so th there's going to be some guys that are going to end up maybe moving up the board that were guys on the board or maybe entering the board at running back position that weren't headed into the season. Uh, Ryan, I need to see more of him. I, 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 that's just the kid I have not seen a lot of, honestly, and, and I do need to watch more of him. Okay, a um, couple, couple more questions here. 60% um, chance of rain uh, this oh. weekend uh, it, in, for the Longhorns. How do you think that uh, will affect the game? Uh, good luck to ULM tackling Bijan Robinson. If, it, if, his, <laughs> if, his, if his pants are damp, good luck. I mean, I can't even imagine. I mean, Bobby, how that guy was cutting so hard to, at that open practice Tuesday. I was like, get him off the field every time he touched it because he was cutting so hard. <laughs> And at, that, at one point, I was thinking to myself, he looks quicker than he did his first two years. It's more decisive. It's more just mm, violence out of that cut. And I'm so if I hear rain, I'm thinking, good luck tackling that guy first of all. Um, and second, I mean Xavier Worthy's hard to get a hand on, anyways. Now, now he's got a slippery body. I mean, geez. So you put his quickness and his physicality with wet pads. I, I don't know. I think it helps Texas quite a bit. I always think it helps the more talented team. <laughs> when it rains, obviously, um, because if you're bigger, stronger and faster, um, that just I, I just think it helps your advantage um, because you're going to miss less tackles because you're the bigger, stronger guys. Um, so I think it just helps Texas. Now, what it does do, does it change, you know, 
what what Sark does with Quinn a little bit, right? What do they do in the passing game? I think that's the big thing. I think running wise, I mean, I, I good luck tackling Bijan in that game. But uh, what is it going to do to what te- how Texas attacks offensively? And what does it do to the game as a whole? Does it make yep. it a sloppy game? Yep. Right. And then then you're looking at a different set of circumstances. Like, you're, wait a minute, sloppy game changes changes what you're trying to get out of it, especially from the quarterback. You went from saying, hey, we want to try to do something and, and get this guy broken in to, hey, let's let's get the win and get going, right? And, and I'll throw another one out there. I think it, it, for, for a staff that's really still evaluating a competition in the kicking game, you're going to have to wipe that competition out if it's raining. I mean, that's not going to be really a fair situation, right? I mean, so that's the kicking competition. Nothing, unless they have a decision headed into game day on that, um, if that's still a competition, if it's a rain game, you got to throw that one out. Yep. All right. Um, Jerry, over order on number of TDs Quinn throws. And then I want to ask you this one too. Any high school f- football games you're looking forward to this weekend? Uh, so, yeah, um, three and a half, and I'll go over, even though it's raining. Okay. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's ULM. It's going to put up a lot of points. And there's hey, he needs to dump- it's going to work. He needs to dump it off to the running backs a bunch. Yeah. I mean, because that's that that's Tied really in. where it gets difficult. And, and I think Quinn's a really good red zone player. And so anytime there's an over-under on TDs against an inferior opponent, if Texas gets into the red zone a lot, I think he's going to make the throw. Um, I don't think his interceptions are going to come in the red zone. I think his interceptions early in his career are going to come in the pocket when he's under pressure and doesn't see a linebacker or doesn't see a safety. I don't think it's going to be in these red zone situations. I think he's proven to be really dang good in those situations. Uh, high school games uh, this week, that's an interesting one um, for me. I'll tell you one I'm not going to be at, um, but is an interesting one is Westlake and Judson, I think. And then – I'll tell you one with a Texas commit that I think is going to be extremely interesting. But I think Westlake-Judson is 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 going to be a fun game for those that go. Um, I think Westlake will win the ball game, but um, it's still – I mean, Westlake lost a lot off that team last year, um, but they have so many quality players. And I think Converse-Judson with a new head coach, pretty solid opener um, for them with a new head coach. I think that will be a fun game to watch. The, maybe the game I'm most interested in, though, is Dylan Spencer and C.E. King against Allen. Allen absolutely got drugged by St. John Bosco to start the season, which they should, by the way. This is not Kyler Murray at Allen, okay? It's not that level team. For the, that, that team with the number one pick in the draft at quarterback and a, fir- and a first or second rounder on the offensive line, they don't have that talent at Allen right now. So St. John Bosco should win that game going away. But now the question is, with a C.E. King team that went 10-3 and three last year. They have three power five guys on the defensive line. They have a senior running back. I think he had 201 yards on 12 carries in the opener against Crosby. He's not a bad team. A kid that nobody knows about. He's got an SFA offer. He'll end up with 15 offers uh, unless his academics are just out of control bad. Um, he kids 5'11", 215, and runs 10-8. C.E. King's got a lot of players, and they're a physical team. And that's going to be interesting to see how Allen responds uh, against a C.E. King. So from a high school perspective, I'm not Craig Way breaking this thing down, but that's the game that has my attention because C.E. King has a lot to prove. It, it, they, they're kind of attacking this season with a lot to prove because they lost to North Shore in Atascacita in Katy last year. That's their three losses. Nothing wrong with that, but you're a program trying to get over the hump, and they haven't had that win to get over the hump. If they beat Allen, even if it's a down Allen, if they beat Allen, that's a big deal for C.E. King High School and Panthers football. It just is. I, I want to take this one real quick. Is it me or does uh, Sark seem frustrated during media days? I think he's a coach. I think he's ready to quit talking and start playing. I don't think he's frustrated. And and I certainly don't get the sense that he's chippy or any of that stuff like some people might think, right? I mean, I, I feel like he's actually handled himself as well or better in the media than almost everybody that's been at Texas because I, I feel like he's still giving candid answers, you know, two years into this after a five and seven season. Right. right. He's and that, that, that tests you. Mac Brown got chippy late in his career huh. with the media. Right. Um, the, he's already been tested at five and seven and has not been, in my opinion, very chippy. I think he's actually been uh, pretty, pretty uh, uh, articulate and, um, 
done done right by his players and and coaches. Hey, Jerry, I want to ask you. He's a great listen, by the way, Bobby. I think he actually breaks down football in a way that's easy to understand for fans and that is engaging with fans. And I think he's honest about it. I mean, everybody has coach speak that's a coach, right? But I think the way he communicates is very solid for a fan base. Okay, last one, and this is going to be a repeat, but it is important because uh, this is a pass rusher that Texas is interested uh, supposed to find out midweek if if Wilson's going to make it in for an official visit on September 10th. Yep, uh, we we uh, and that's a reference to Damon Wilson, yep. the edge player out of Venice, Florida. Yeah, we kind of hit on that at the beginning of the show. That's what we've been hearing, and I was actually told uh, yesterday that he could make a decision on that tonight or tomorrow uh, whether he's going to take that official visit. And for those that just joined this, um, I, I'm going to go over the uh, recruitment again. Damon Wilson, our number four prospect in the country. Uh, at, at on three and the number two edge player in the country is at Venice High in Florida, Southwest Florida. Tashard Choice is recruiting him for Texas because Choice recruits Central Florida, Southwest Florida. Obviously, he was big in the Cedric Baxter and Peyton Kirkland recruitments. But uh, so he's visiting officially Ohio State this weekend for the Notre Dame game. That'll be a terrible atmosphere, by the way. Terrible visit coming for Damon. Uh, but he's been unsure if he wants to take two official visits in a row during the season, back to back weekend. So while Venice has an off week, September 9th. It's still, does he deviate from that kind of his thought process is that that's a lot of travel for me and my family during a season. And I want to spread these things out a little bit. He's going to make an official visit to Texas unless Texas decides they're not bringing him in. Damon Wilson plans to visit Texas. The question is when I think we'll find out in the next 24 hours, what if it's going to be Texas September 10th, or if it'll be later in the season. Jerry, uh, it's been over an hour. I appreciate you so much. Uh, you and I both really like doing these. I know we talk about it. It's a fun to get out there and just see what people are talking about and getting their feedback on us as well uh, so that we understand and, and are out there chasing the stories that they, they're interested in. Uh, Jerry, you're also all over the place. I appreciate you standing still for uh, an hour here and joining us without the car. Uh, but uh, also, please remember to join us at Inside Texas as well. Uh, and tomorrow, just a programming note, uh, I'm talking with uh, Jermichael Finley, uh, the former Longhorn tight end, spent, uh, I think, six or seven years in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he's going to come on the show. We're going to talk a little bit. And then I've got uh, Eric Nalin, publisher of Inside Texas, for the state of the program. Uh, and I uh, hope that uh, Eric and I are going to get into the depth chart at length and go from there. All right. So for Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been On Texas Football.